Technology using artificial intelligence is the future and here to stay. Everything from cars to cybersecurity to language translations to smart cities use some form of AI. But when 72% of influencers agree that artificial intelligence is the great danger of the next 50 years, shouldn't we be talking about the ethics of AI? Who determines the ethical boundaries of technology? And should religious traditions and teachings be considered when developing new tech? Welcome to the Interfaith Business Network podcast with your hosts, Brian White and Angie Luo. In today's episode, we discuss ethics and religion in the tech world and what organizations like AI and Faith are doing to make sure the religious values of tech's users and developers are brought into consideration. Linda and David, thank you for joining us today. You both do inspiring work at the intersection of faith, ethics, and technology, and we are so excited to have you here. David, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about what led you to found AI and Faith, as well as what AI and Faith does? Sure, I'm happy to. I'm a lawyer. I practiced law for 30 years here in Seattle. Uh, Most of my law practice, as it turned out, was about risk management and eventually insurance, hard claims to bring against an insurance company. Uh, And uh, eventually, a lot of that involved technology. I did a lot of work for Microsoft uh, from about 2000 on. I really always was looking for uh, what was coming down the road that wasn't uh, clearly covered by an insurance. And in the uh, 2000s, that was really internet risk, uh, cyber risk, uh, and other kinds of things associated with uh, technology. Uh, I saw practicing in 2015 to look for other ways to be involved in uh, useful projects. I looked around for a couple of years and realized that artificial intelligence was one of those risks that uh, was flying under the radar at that time, but really posed enormous questions uh, for society. And in fact, they turned out to be the same kind of questions that uh, my uh, church life, which I'd been involved with all through my time in Seattle, was asking too. So we test drove uh, a couple of programs in churches here in Seattle and found that a lot of people were interested in the overlap between AI and questions of faith. And then looked around and organized a community of experts who crossed over between the technology side uh, and the faith world, ethicists, theologians, philosophers, and sophisticated AI professionals. Then from there, grew that out into a national and now an international network of 80 experts who are multidisciplinary and cross-faith, all of the major world religions, and uh, are looking into this fundamental overlap around how do we get uh, AI that works and uh, advances human flourishing and prevents human harm, uh, relying on the foundational principles of these major religions. David, thank you so much for sharing that about yourself and about AI and faith. I think the questions that you're talking about are questions that a lot of our listeners have. And so we're looking forward to exploring those in this episode. Linda, a very warm welcome to you as well. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your interest in ethics and technology? I am a reporter. I have been covering uh, issues of technology and culture for several years uh, for places like Wired and Protocol and the New York Times. Um, And I'm also a PhD candidate in rhetoric at the University of California, Berkeley. So very much enmeshed uh, in Silicon Valley culture. 
And I started working on ethics and technology a couple of years ago when I um, kind of was looking around at new ethical codes that various tech companies were adopting. And I just became curious about what the bases for those were, how they were being constructed. And so I started talking to as many people as I could in the area and it kind of just went from there. Linda, we are so curious to ask you more about what you've found talking to all of these people that you have. Um, what can you tell us about the tools and norms that tech companies are currently using to insert ethics into their processes? And what are some of the gaps that still need to be addressed? Yeah, so there are a number of kind of approaches that um, technologists have been pursuing to this end, you know, and it's really evolved over time. Um, some companies started by, you know, creating an ethics office or hiring a chief ethics officer, you know, after this kind of recognition that this really did need to be a um, serious conversation that, you know, a company-wide conversation. Um, and so some of them started by, you know, surveying their employees about what values they held most dear. Um, you know, Google created these uh, AI safety cards that were trying to, they were trying to increase what they call explainability to make the technologies kind of more legible, both to other engineers and to the public. And so there's various ways in which ethics enters into the construction of technologies, you know, and it should really be there at every single stage, but for too long, it's been kind of a reverse process. You know, once the technology has already been created, then you begin to evaluate the ethical considerations that it attends. And so I think what, what the big gap now and the kind of big question for people who are working on this is how do you introduce it at the very early stages? And then how do you continue to make ethical considerations felt at every stage of development um, from kind of the very technical construction of a piece of technology or the development of an algorithm to even the way that it is marketed? David, what about you? What have you seen in the tech industry um, that the tech industry is doing to increase ethical consciousness and behavior in your work with AI and faith? Oh, I think Linda gave a good summary of these stages. Certainly the first round we've, we've seen and actually collected are all these AI ethics policy statements. Uh, so uh, it's become kind of a trope to have a policy statement on AI, and they usually cover a lot of the same uh, uh, issues. There are very few faith-based statements. There's one, the evangelical statement of AI principles, uh, which the Southern Baptists put out pretty early on, about 18 months ago. There's the Rome call in which IBM, uh, Microsoft, and the Vatican got together and uh, issued a six-point statement about uh, fair, transparent AI. And then there are statements from almost every major tech company, uh, some uh, more comprehensive than others. But beyond the statement of principle stage, there's a lot more to be done uh, in actually implementing those principles. And then even apart from uh, downstream, there's the upstream question of what are those principles really based on? What's the value system? Uh, what are the underlying uh, values that are reflected there? So as Linda said, some companies have surveyed their employees and tried to draw those out. Um, 
Others are just make assumptions about what's fair and right, um, and then find that those aren't necessarily shared assumptions or they're not nuanced enough. The thing that I have seen recently, uh, emerging review boards, uh, like a little like IRBs in the bioethics world, uh, to pass uh, judgment on different technologies uh, from a social utility and risk point of view. Uh, Microsoft did uh, actually have this process in place, according to Brad Smith, in the book he wrote uh, called Tools and Weapons back in 2019. And now it seems that it's uh, actually being used. These may be temporary. They're probably, um, they seem to be retroactive. Some of these technologies were already deployed. As Linda pointed out, it's coming so late in the game, it's a lot harder to uh, stop the train. Uh, so it'd be a lot better if these happened up front. And the big question is, is this happening uh, on an in institutionalized systematic basis, or is this really mainly a response to the threat of regulation? Uh, probably some of each. I think you both brought up a very interesting distinction between ethics at the individual level as influenced by your faith and ethics at the corporate and perhaps society level. In a pluralistic society, how should individual tech professionals fit their own faith or their own um, beliefs, their own values into corporate ethics at work when designing their products or when thinking about that product lifecycle? I'm, I'm happy to take a stab at that. You know, it's just a marketplace of ideas, uh, I think. And really, uh, it's not that uh, we uh, think that faith should trump anybody else's point of view. It's just that it should be present. And essentially, these are old ideas. I mean, 4,000 years of questioning around uh, what's our purpose in life? Who are we? <laughs> uh, is there truth? Do we have agency? Um, you know, what's the basis of our rights and liberties? And so there's a lot of thinking about that that could be brought into brought to the table if it's uh, done in a way that is uh, thoughtful and that um, engages with what's actually happening with technology rather than what you know is supposed by secondary sources. So tech workers know the most about that last question, and uh, we just like to help them integrate their faith beliefs into the work that they're that's right in front of them. I guess to your earlier question, one of the areas that you see cross industry kind of collaboration on ethical questions is in privacy engineering, um, which, you know, all of every, every different company has its own thresholds of privacy or understandings of how to, understandings and policies on how to handle user data and information, um, how, to, how to delete someone's personal data, for instance, if they request it or otherwise, how long they should retain it, um, how secure their files should be. Um, and I think there's some really interesting innovation going on in that space. And I don't think that questions of privacy are separate kind of from moral and ethical considerations about what um, not only what a corporation, what responsibilities a corporation has towards its customers, but also just, you know, on a more kind of human level, what we should retain, what kind of records um, need to be preserved, what that preservation means, and what are those stakes. Um, so there are some really interesting privacy 
um, conferences that kind of bring together engineers across different companies to kind of figure out these problems. Linda, you recently wrote an opinion essay for the New York Times called Can Silicon Valley Find God? Um, curious to hear what prompted you to research and write this piece. You shared a little bit about talking to a lot of people in the industry. Curious if there was anything that really prompted you to start doing this research and also want to hear if there was anything that you learned as you were writing the article that really surprised you. Well, actually, it was um, through Brian Green at the Markula Center that I discovered AI and faith and started learning about various initiatives and programs to bring together the worlds of faith and technology. And it just seemed to me to be such an important and in some senses kind of omnipresent uh, element of the tech world, but also one that has gone kind of under-examined. Of course, spirituality informs the construction of technology. Of course, people don't bracket their faith lives the second they walk into the Google offices, for instance. Um, and I just think that it was important for me to understand how um, engineers were going about holding these two parts of their lives together and how they thought of them as not at all separate, but actually kind of informing and reinforcing one another. But I think, you know, certainly the commonalities across faith backgrounds, um, when I spoke to engineers who were um, Muslim or Jewish or Christian, uh, they often kind of uh, evinced similar understandings of like what the stakes are behind building equitable technologies. And it was interesting because they did also reflect like a common understanding that they work in an industry that is not necessarily primed to have these conversations about, you know, faith-based approaches to ethics. And so it was interesting to think about and to hear them speak about how they were qualifying their beliefs in their conversations with their coworkers about, you know, should we build this technology or that? Should we put this chip in this technology or not? And um, just how those conversations play out um, as a technology is being developed. I think that's incredibly important. And um, I think this is kind of just the beginning of these kinds of conversations shaping uh, how Silicon Valley works. Linda, thank you for sharing that very, very interesting to think about the shared values that we do have across faiths and how that influences the the chips and where we decide to put them, for example. Um, David, I wanted to ask, do you, do you have any thoughts to add about how religion interacts with artificial intelligence or technology? For example, we hear all the time about the challenges of black box programs with issues of race. Have you come across anything similar with issues related to religion? I think it actually is quite similar because the fundamental question is uh, when a bot is learning uh, or an AI technology is learning, what's it learning from? And uh, almost inevitably it's learning from uh, humans for better or worse. It's kind of like parenting, <laughs> um, you know, you're, your child learns what you'd like it to learn and also probably what you'd rather it didn't, depending on how you behave. And of course, that's um, what's happening when you've got these data sets that reflect human foibles as well as 
um, you know, better human thinking. And that's certainly true about religion, just like it is about race and gender and other other categories, you know, if if the news is all about mainly about conflicts uh, that often have a religious base, like, for instance, Israel and Palestine, I mean, what's the bot going to learn about religion? Well, it's a sort it's a big source of problems, <laughs> which is, you know, honestly, how a lot of pe other people feel about religion that is more a, a problem than a solution. And yet there's an awful lot written that also helps people understand the world and behave better in it as a result of religious practice. Um, and so how do we make sure that the data set reflects all of that uh, honestly and accurately? Um, the, uh, and, and in a more specific way, uh, uh, Linda's article started with the research that our founding member Shannon Betcher has done about uh, how do, uh, how does media communicate religious ideas? So for instance, if you ask Alexa, is there a God? What's Alexa gonna say? And why is Alexa gonna say it? Uh, the, you know, there's a very interesting book called Talk to Me uh, by James Flahos about the rise of oral uh, bot uh, and oral connection, the replacement of uh, keyboard uh, and uh, inquiry by oral inquiry. And uh, so one of the, his chapters talks about the one-shot answer, uh, which we're seeing more and more. Google offers a one-shot answer when you Google now. You can have the million responses or you could look in the upper right corner and, and get the quick answer. And how is that gonna influence uh, truth and our understanding of complicated ideas, right? So when you ask uh, Alexa about religious questions, uh, Alexa more and more has an opinion. Uh, and who's guiding that opinion? Uh, and, uh, you know, how do we make sure that uh, a new major arbiter of truth is uh, well-founded and drawing on good sources? So interesting to hear you talk about how the technology that is created across the world, but especially in Silicon Valley, affects the lives of the consumers who are using it. I think oftentimes... Uh, ethics questions and things like that are talked about as they interact with government or more on the individual company level. But there isn't a lot of thinking about, you know, when individual users are using these in their homes, what are the implications of that? Linda, in you wrote an article in February 2020 where you quoted Mike Markula, the second CEO at Apple. And he said that compared to 30 years ago, he'd be doing a lot of things differently involving philosophy, ethics, and vision of the world in 20 years. So I want to ask both of you, David and Linda, what are your visions for the world and what role must faith and technology play to help us get there? Yeah, well, I think the first thing is to acknowledge that faith is already playing a role in technology and to kind of acknowledge and um, publicly discuss the ways in which that is occurring is going to be a really valuable um, achievement in the development of technology. And I don't just mean traditional faiths. I think that if you look anywhere in Silicon Valley, you'll see that there are different belief systems, doctrines, creeds that um, many people in the industry ascribe to. Um, and they may not look like traditional religions, but they do have many things in common with them. And they do kind of provide some guidance and solace and um, explanation and even, you know, like a direction of movement for where all of this innovation is going. Um, and so I think what I was trying to do in both of the articles that you've brought up is just kind of 
point towards the fact that we need to be more forthright about the role that spirituality of all kinds is playing in the industry and ask why it is that AI in particular, but also technology writ large, uh, is a space where people really are looking for guidance in various ways and, you know, why it is that corporations are adopting the language of religion, you know, saying that they evangelize privacy innovation or hiring people to make custom-made corporate liturgies, you know? So what is it about this culture that we've created that lends itself to a need for spiritual direction? That was part of the article I really loved. Uh, I mean, Linda, I thought you put your finger on the fact that there is a proto-religion in Silicon Valley or a number of them. Uh, It's just not called that, but it's a whole set of assumptions about uh, how life works and how it should work. And, uh, you know, I, I loved surfacing that question because all of us carry around frameworks for how we think life works and how we want it to work. And it'd be great if we could you know, overtly talk about these amazing new products in those terms. Um, And I think that's what we're beginning to see uh, technology forced into. It'd be much better if we could do that in an open way rather than have to do it through regulation and, uh, you know, government intervention. I'm, I'm all for, as a lawyer, all for good regulation and when it's really needed. And I think it often is needed. Um, As I said in that, and you quoted me, Linda, Maybe my best quote ever, I think. (laughs) Unbridled capitalism. I just don't believe in unbridled capitalism because it never picks up its externalities, right? Not all externalities will ever be covered by capitalism. So that's what we're trying to do is risk manage the externalities and help pick them up and be responsible about them, uh, either by the creators of these technology where it's manageable by them on the front end or on the back end where it may not be manageable or even foreseen uh, by society in general. So how do we all work together to get the best out of this remarkable development around um, artificial intelligence while uh, also boundarying it so we don't end up with situations like you see right now in China, where there's a remarkable laboratory of oppression using AI, especially around religion. Thank you, David and Linda, for sharing your visions of the world with us and the role that faith might continue to play and hopefully will continue to play in the development of technology. Um, This is our last question for both of you. What is one thing listeners can do today to create a world where ethical and differing belief systems can be considered and honored so we can build a future that is good for everyone? Well, I think it's really to be uh, thoughtful and conscious of your of what you adopt. You know, right now we're trying to figure out whether to hook up a ring uh, uh, doorbell <laughs> to our front door. You really can't you can't see out our front door, so uh, it would be good to have a ring doorbell there. But uh, I'm I really am not that eager to have everything in my house, you know, tied to the internet and visible and open to third parties to use in ways that I have no idea they're using it. So just being thoughtful about being an adopter of certain kinds of technology would be a big step ahead and helping people understand how this technology works and what the pros and the cons are is really important. And I think that's why that's another place where our organization hopes to work through faith leaders who people have trust in, better educate them about 
what's happening uh, for good and ill, and then uh, get the word out. Um, so making personal decisions, helping other trusted leaders uh, inform the people who trust them about this. I mean, those are are two key ways to get what we are after, a better future. Yeah, I would just say, I mean, I agree with everything that David has said. And I think um, what I wanted to get across in the Times piece was just um, that this kind of view of traditional religion as an atavism, um, as something that, you know, is outdated or might not have a place in the um, corporate and technological worlds is not a um, generative or welcoming view and that if we really are going to create what we might call, you know, quote unquote, ethical technologies that, you know, different kinds of belief systems of all kinds need to be included. And just to kind of dissuade people from reflexively discounting um, whatever whatever backgrounds their colleagues um, or friends might be bringing to the table. Um, and I think if we can do that, then that's a good start. Linda, David, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and experiences with us around AI and faith and ethics. We really appreciate everything you've shared with us today. Are you ready to stir the pot across the faith world and into the business world? Americans encounter more religious diversity at work than in any other sphere of life. Yet religion is too often left out of the diversity conversation. Many of us are uncomfortable talking about religion at work because we are afraid of offending our colleagues or wading into uncertain legal territory. But engaging religious diversity can lead to stronger team culture and better relationships with clients and consumers. On November 8th from 12 to 4 p.m. Central Time, join Interfaith Youth Corps in partnership with the Forum on Workplace Inclusion for a professional development lab that will give you the chance to explore issues of religious identity and diversity at work, develop your interfaith skill set, and create an action plan for how you will engage religious and secular identity in your workplace. Find the registration link in the show notes and use checkout code IFYCPDL for a special Interfaith Business Network $10 discount. Thanks for listening to the Interfaith Business Network podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow at InterfaithBiz on Twitter. That's InterfaithBiz. You can also join the Interfaith Business Network on LinkedIn and Slack. Thank you to Interfaith Youth Corps for funding this podcast, to Jefferson Dayhaus for mixing, editing, and producing this episode, to Joshua Wolk for his graphic design, and to our friends at the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation and AI and Faith for their partnership and support. Learn more at interfaithbusinessnetwork.com.